Hello ladies and gents, today we're going to be looking at the lies that the narcissist wants you to believe are true. The first one that we're going to be talking about is um, the idea that they are omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful and all-knowing. Seeing as it is a, a juvenile and infantile response to trauma that leaves the individual without proper boundaries. They de facto assume a godlike state in their own minds because, you know, I guess it's pantheism. They are everything and everything is them. And they are, or they tell themselves through magical thinking that they are in charge of that universe. They are in charge of that world. Well, when they've attained to that godlike status of being in charge of that particular universe, they can then do no wrong. God can never be wrong. It is um, impossible. It's against the laws of the universe for them to be wrong, because if they were wrong, they wouldn't be God. So what they want you to believe primarily is that they are omnipotent, omniscient, and all-knowing. There is a term that was defined by John Banger in his book, Medical Errors and Medical Narcissism. That is simply medical narcissism. He defines it as the need of health professionals to preserve their self-esteem, leading to the compromise of error disclosure to patients. So basically, when they screw up, they don't tell their patients. In the book, he explores the psychological, ethical, and legal effects of medical errors and the extent to which a need to constantly assert their competence can cause otherwise capable and even exceptional professionals to fall into narcissistic traps. Once you're established as the authority, as human beings, we are role players um, by, um, by character, by nature. You, you, you know, you're the monkey who wears the big hat. You're the monkey who wears the big cloak. And even if you thought the role was ridiculous or preposterous before you went into it, you, you've really got to live having that power of having the big hat or the big cloak or the symbolic staff with the snake on it in your hand to know how it's going to feel and to know what it's actually going to do to you. John Banger in his book claims that most health professionals, in fact, most professionals of any ilk, so including uh, psychotherapists and, and so on, work on cultivating a self that exudes authority, control, knowledge, competence, and respectability. It's the narcissist in us all. We dread appearing stupid or incompetent. The only relevant question to ask here is once somebody has proclaimed themselves to be um, a health professional, it doesn't necessarily need to be a doctor, it could be somebody saying they're a health expert, you know, somebody's jumped, say, from commerce or, or, uh, or tech and all of a sudden they're a health expert. Once they've got that role, will they admit when they're wrong? Will they pay for their arrogance with other people's lives and with other people's blood? And the answer we have found historically is yes, they will. Um, because the narcissist believes that they are omnipotent and they need you to believe that they're omnipotent and that their word is final. There is no other option. They have a solution. Their solution is the solution. In fact, it is called 
sometimes the final solution and they'll brook no objection to that. Be very, very careful where you see um, a shutting down of argument, of debate, dissent, questioning. That's usually an indication um, of narcissism. The second major lie that all narcissists want you to believe um, is, is related to time. There's a sort of a timelessness to the narcissist's delusional self-perception that they demand that you share. Because if you're interacting with a narcissist, they demand that you share their delusion of who they are and of who reality functions and of how reality functions with them. And they'll force it on you. And they'll try and use tricks uh, or force or deception to make you accept that their worldview is the correct view. And part of this is timelessness. To uh, a damaged child, there is no past. There is no future. To the fractured mind um, of a, a, an abused child, a narcissist or a psychopath um, in their childhood, there is a timelessness. So when they sort of awaken into this world, as it were, as a god, to them, it appears that the world came into being when they woke. So we are in their world. They're not in ours. We all exist in their world. There was nothing before them. There will be nothing after them. And so when you're listening to narcissistic diatribes, there's a, there's a timelessness to it. It's like this has always been this way and always will. There's this weird sort of mystical cosmic overtone to everything. This is the way it is and always has been, my child. Do not question the ways. And you think, well, that's a load of horseshit. There was life before you, mate, and there'll be life after you. You're temporary, same as every other human being on the planet. You're just another hairless ape in a pair of socks. Now, if you wanted a really good way of invoking narcissistic injury, you'd repeat that phrase that I just gave you. The third lie that narcissists want you to believe is that you are powerless to do anything. They need you to believe that you are without power. They will gaslight you. They will damage your confidence. They will mock you. They will humiliate you. They will force you to do things that disempower you, infantilize you, and render you feeling pretty stupid and pretty worthless. Why? Because it suits their agenda to have you feeling as though you're powerless. It's always been this way. There's nothing you can do about it. And that there is no other option than the option they're giving you. And their law is the law, is the final law. And there is no other option, and there never has been. And once you enter that narcissistic reality, because in their minds, democracy, um, you know, uh, fair process, reason, debate never existed, once you've entered their reality tunnel, it never did exist for anybody. It didn't exist for them. They're God, so therefore it never existed. It didn't exist before them. They're here. They're God. Never existed. And it's just de facto gone. It's just gone. So if you raise it as though it had always been there, you will be treated as though you are mentally ill. You will be treated as though there's something wrong with you. You will be treated as though um, you, you've committed some great crime or some great sin just by asking the question and saying, is this the only option there is? Can we, can we talk about this? No, no, you can't talk about it. You can shut up, you can obey, and you can do as you're told or else. 
and there's always an or else. Number four, that they, the lie, the fourth lie that they want you to believe is that they are special and unique, irreplaceable, um, wonderful, superior in every way, and that therefore they're entitled to enforce their worldview on everybody else. There's never been anybody else like me. I'm God. There's never been anybody before me. There'll never be any, never be anyone after me. I am God. Might is right. I have the power. I have the money. Therefore, it, it's a it's a question that answers itself. It's this wonderful, uh, evil circular logic that where the question is its own answer. How do I know that I have the right to do this? Because I have the power to do this. And the two things are equivalent in the mind of a narcissistic psychopath. That they're special and unique and that that entitles them to do whatever they want with the people around them. The fifth lie that they want you to believe is that they are kind, that they are philanthropists, that they save animals, that they save children, that they uh, give to charities, that they are pillars of the community. I found a piece of research done by Sarah Conrath in 2016. It's called The Strategic Helper, Narcissism and Pro-Social Motives and Behaviors. And uh, she wanted to see if there was any correlation between narcissism and people who engage in pro-social behaviors. Pro-social being charitable, philanthropic, showing that they are good people doing good works. And in that study, she writes, uh, for example, those who studied higher in narcissism, perspective taking and empathic concern all reported that they tend to frequently engage in what they considered to be pro-social behavior, even when controlling for social desirability. Narcissists are known for being charitable, for engaging in ostentatious displays of philanthropy and pro-social behavior. So from this, what can we conclude? What are the uh, practical steps that we can take to deal with this? Well, one of the first things that we can realize is the truth shall set you free. And one of the first truths is they are not omnipotent. No matter how big they seem to be, no matter how large, how powerful they present, they're not omnipresent. They're not God, they're not omnipotent, and they're not all-knowing. So now we get into the part of the video where we talk about truths and how these truths can lead to some useful action steps. Truth number one, if the lie is that they're omnipotent and all-knowing, then the truth is that they're not omnipotent. They're not all-knowing. They're just a human being. They're the same as you. They want to trick you into thinking that they're something special, that they're something superior, but they're not. They're just a human being. They have the same rights. They have the same software and hardware as you. They may have had a different life experience. They may have done different work to you, more work to you than you, whatever. They might be more intelligent, less intelligent, whatever, but it's still a person. It's still a human being. They're not God. You don't have to do what they say, uh, which is a useful thing to bear in mind. You know, you can question it. You can just be, just ask the question, just say calmly and politely, okay, do I have to do what you say? Is it the law? Is it the law? Do I actually have to do this? And you can think for yourself. If you're in a relationship with a narcissist 
and they're asserting. I actually found this very useful in my last relationship. Um, particularly, it really saved me towards the end where I felt very, I was under pressure, I was manipulated and I was being obliged to do things. And I asked myself the question like, is it, is it the law that I have to do that? And then my brain would be like, well, no. Like, would I get in trouble with the police if I didn't do what I'm being asked to do? No. You're not in any legally binding contract. You're not married. There's no crime here. You're just being pressured. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, so then I'm morally obligated to do it. And it's like, well, okay. If you're not legally obligated, are you morally obligated? I found this very useful because you're so confused and gaslit. So am I legally obligated? No. Am I morally obligated? Well, it depends on the do ba 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 I'd be like, no, not really. Not unless I accept their worldview. I'm only morally obligated if I accept that everything that they're saying is completely true. And I would only ever do that for a, another human if they had proven themselves to be completely trustworthy. Well, beyond the, the petty mistakes that, that everybody makes. And I would look and I'd say, well, have they lied? Okay. Have they lied about things that are quite big and quite important? Okay. Here's a good question. Have they ever lied in such a way that caused them to gain and me to be hurt or to lose? Well, they have. Ah, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's indicated that there's something quite serious going on there. So the second lie that leads us to a truth and to a strategy is that they've always been in power and always will be in power. If you're with somebody and there's, a, there's this strange sort of eternal quality, just remind yourself factually and objectively, you were with somebody else before you were with them. People break up all the time. People divorce all the time. It's traumatic. It's painful. You may cry, they may cry, other people may cry, my God. But that's life. That's life. People divorce, people suffer, and people cry all the time. You can leave them. Yes, it can be painful. Yes, it can be difficult, but it also can happen and can lead to your freedom. It's not eternal. They're not internal. They're not eternal. They're not internal, they're external, and they're not eternal. They are temporary, as everything is temporary. They're not God. They're not the final word. The way things are is not the way it's predestined to be. It's not written, unless you're Muslim and you believe that it's already written by the hand of God. I don't. I don't believe that it's written. I don't believe that history is written. I believe it is being written. And I believe that whether we're in an abusive relationship at an individual level or at a group level, we can push the hand that writes that story. We have that option. We have that free will as human beings with equal rights, with equal responsibilities, no matter how tall your hat, no matter how big your tower, no matter how purple your cloak you are just another human being. The third lie that they tell that leads us to our third truth and a third action step is that you are powerless to do anything and that there's no other option than them and their rules. 
just turn it on its head. Where is my power? Am I powerless? Or am I just going along with it for an easy life? Am I just doing it because everybody else is doing it? Am I just doing it because I'm kind of lazy? I'm kind of soft. I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation. I like to hide in the middle of the herd. I like to hope that somebody else will fix it and then I won't have to. Is that what's happening? These are questions that every adult, every human must ask themselves and seek to answer as honestly as they can. I can't answer these questions for you. Only you can know in your heart what's true for you. Are you powerless? No. What is the extent of your power? Ah, it's a different question. Depends on the extent of the leverage that's being used against you, I suppose. They want you to believe there's no other option than them and their rules. Is that true? Are there other options? Are there other rules? Are these rules enshrined in law? If they're not, are they even legal? The rules of an abusive father in a household that's riddled with sexual, psychological abuse, domestic violence, and his rampant narcissism, drug taking, and alcoholism, are his rules legal laws? No. Are they morally righteous? No. What kind of rules are they then? They're the rules of a narcissistic, psychopathic, totally sick, power-hungry, sadistic, monstrous, tyrant. And he should take those rules and shove them up his bottom. And if he won't, we should assist him with as much force as is reasonably necessary so that they go all the way up his bottom hole. Lie number four that leads to a fourth truth and a fourth action step, that they're special and unique and that this entitles them to write their own rules. Well, let's break that down, shall we? The truth is they are not special. They are not unique. People who are thieves, who have low cunning, who have a high IQ, but use it for deception, for bribery, for corruption, and for intellectual theft are, whilst bright, criminally inclined scumbags. Let's be really clear. A scumbag is a scumbag is a scumbag. They're criminals. Morally redundant criminals. Spineless, cowards, devoid of all virtue, of all value. They only have junk values. They only have inverted values. And because they're narcissistic psychopaths, they want to make the world look like them. They want to impose their junk values on the world. They're not special. They're not unique. Nothing is more bog standard, boring and ordinary than a bloody, another bloody psychopath with an idea, with a childish wank fantasy in which they're the big king or the big queen. Sickens me to see people react with fascination to psychopaths. I saw there was a, a film out with Zac Efron recently about Ted Bundy. I want to pull my hair out. I'm already, either my forehead's growing or, or I'm losing my hair already. I don't want to pull it anymore. I'm like, why are people fascinated with Ted Bundy? Why are people fascinated with psychopaths? They are the most boring formation of a personality you can imagine. They are single-minded. They are robotic. They're driven completely 
by the darkest impulses of the human spirit. There is nothing fascinating about psychopaths. There's nothing fascinating about a Bundy. He was rejected once by a pretty college-age American girl with brown hair that was parted down the middle. So he brutally clubbed to death women of the same age who were pretty American students, law students, with brown hair that was parted down the middle. He would club them to death in their sleep. He's not fascinating. None of these psychopaths are fascinating. They are idiots. They are robots. They are totally dull. And nothing is more predictable than the average psychopath. And even if they were unique, and even if they were special, and even if the sunshine did shine out of their precious little bottoms, that still wouldn't entitle them to write their own laws. That's not how the adult world works. Just because Beethoven was a great pianist, he didn't get to change the laws of the country. He didn't get to tell the king what to do. That's not how it works. That's not, that's not even how it worked. In the dark ages, we didn't do that. That's not how it works. Well, in the dark ages, sometimes we did do that, but we fought to stop it. There were many empires that, that did that and they did great evil, but we fought to stop them and we won. They're not there anymore. They're all in the dirt where they belong. So the action step there is to question their specialness, question their uniqueness. And even if you find something that really is special, really is unique, really is admirable, remind yourself that even those fine qualities do not entitle a person to write their own laws for other adult human beings to follow. That's not how it works. You can't live like that. Number five, the idea that they're kind philanthropists. Oh, many a vulnerable narcissist, many a vulnerable narcissistic psychopath loves to hide behind the veneer of animal rights, human rights, charity, philanthropy, and all the shit that goes with it. And they're posturing, lying nincompoops, apart from the fact that many of these charitable works that they do are basically a place of either laundering money or hiding it or evading taxes, many of them, not all of them, some of them do great work. It's a front. It's a complete front. It's a, it's a fake way of gaining um, status that you don't deserve. And it's a way of signaling to people, I'm safe. I'm good. I'm kind. Look at what I do with my money. I, I couldn't be a bad guy. Yeah like Ted Bundy waiting around in the university car parks with his arm in a cast, waiting for somebody to show the kindness to help him. And we know how that kindness was rewarded when they saw that, oh, poor Ted with his sore arm. These people love faking that they're kinder and more decent than they really are. Like butter wouldn't, well, wouldn't melt in their mouths. It's a front, it's a trick, it's a lie. Your action step here is to question that philanthropy. Are they charitable? Do they walk the walk or do they just talk the talk? My ex was big on animal rights and she worked for free for different charities uh, that were you know, helping the dolphins in the sea. Meanwhile, back home, she had a 32 kilogram dog in a flat that she wouldn't take for a walk. She wouldn't walk him. In three years of living with her, 
she walked him three times and every time she did it, she'd walk him on the lead for 20 minutes or less, bring him home and say, that'll do him. He doesn't need more than that. And I'd be like, he's a huge dog. He's not supposed to be in the house 20, in a bloody apartment 23 hours a day. <laughs> Get back out there and do your job. But you ask anybody who knows her, just sweet, gentle, animal loving, oh, animal rights all day long. Didn't take care of her own dog. Behind closed doors, different story. These people are all front. Question it. Are they really doing good work? Are they really philanthropists? Are they really helping people? Strange times, ladies and gentlemen. Strange times to be discussing narcissism and psychopathy, but you know, they kind of go hand in glove right now. Do not lose hope. And remember, ooh, there are many, many beautiful things out there still. It's a beautiful world full of great things. Do keep a good sense of humor. Do stay robust and resilient and disciplined. Stay switched on. Be careful and stay watchful. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time and for your attention. And I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Cheers.